Welcome to the Creative Community Podcast presented by Destination Arte. I'm Mark, and David was sadly not able to join us for this episode, so I'll be flying solo today. As brothers, we did grow up telling stories together for over 15 years. And as adults, we want to continue telling stories together, and we want to invite you into our brother's brain trust. We started this podcast to share the beginning of our story and continue writing it together. We are building a community of people who work together to find creative solutions to tell inspirational stories. And today we are interviewing illustrator Jameson Jekyll. Now, we are super excited about this episode. Jameson is someone who we've wanted to have on for a long time, and I'm so excited that we finally got it scheduled and got it. Um, he was very gracious to come on. So Jameson shares with us a little about his unexpected journey into illustration and the role that teaching has played in developing a skill set. That's a really, really fun part of the conversation. And he also shares his essential first step in starting any illustration and what he wants every single one of his future illustrations to communicate. Not only that, but he shares so much more, and I cannot wait for you guys to hear it. So without further ado, here's our conversation with illustrator Jameson Jekyll. My name is Jameson Jekyll. I um, work at Abeka um, as a illustrator slash studio artist. Sometimes it's illustration. Um, sometimes it can be kind of photo bashing. Um, it can be a kind of a, a numerous uh, different things. Um, so I work there part-time and during the college semester, I'll teach anywhere from one to um, a few classes that might range from illustration, digital illustration to drawing. Um, some projects that I have been working on, um, Recently, it's been kind of a lot of scattered stuff, but I have one project that has kind of gradually, I've worked on, it's a book series I've worked on probably um, off and on for probably the past six or seven years. And so I'm on the final book and it's been on hold, but it's called Secret in the Maple Tree series. Um, I, I don't know if we have any, Abeka, um, people out there, but this is um, a book that starts, I believe, in third grade. The second book is in fourth grade, and I believe the final book is either fifth or sixth grade. And so right now it's kind of on the back burner, but um, it's been probably the biggest project. It's definitely the biggest project I've ever worked on. So I'm kind of excited to get back on it. I've had some other stuff that's kind of uh, been more important. So that's kind of the big thing that I've been working on recently. Oh, that's so cool. Um, I think I've seen some of those illustrations. Um, is it like kind of turn of the century or is that a different one? Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, this is kind of set kind of around 19, like 15. Okay. That, I think, yeah. Okay, nice. All right, I know what you're talking about. And, yeah. uh, and your students probably will as well. You've shown some of those in class. Yeah. They're always super good, so. Yeah. well. We'll just dive right in with uh, our first question, which is, what was the moment that you knew you wanted to create illustrations for others to see? That's an interesting question. Um, it is uh, probably very different for me than probably a lot of other people that might be an illustration. I actually, it was probably after I got my illustration job. It definitely was not before I got my job. 
it's funny how God works things out in your life. Um, uh, do you want a long or a short version of this? Go for the long one. Okay. Go for the long one. Yeah. Um, so like I said, it's interesting how God kind of directs in people's lives. I never really was intending to go into the illustration field. And part of that reason was I did my internship at Abeka and definitely was probably my least favorite. If you called it a job, it was probably my least favorite job I ever had in my life. Wow. I, I just, I didn't know what I was doing. And I think when people are passionate about doing something well and doesn't work out, it can really kind of give you uh, uh, lots of frustration. And so for me, I just, I dreaded it because I knew that I could, I knew that wasn't getting good results. And I was just frustrated at myself. And I just didn't really know a good way to tackle kind of problem solving with pictures. And so my internship was digital uh, illustration and Photoshop, but I was trained in traditional. And so I didn't really have much experience in Photoshop. And so I knew that illustration for me was not something I really desired. It wasn't something I sought after. So I, I ended up going to grad school and I enjoyed teaching a few classes. So I applied for that, but God had other plans and that didn't work out. And so they offered me a job in illustration, um, but I just really wasn't really ready to commit. So I told him I'd, I'd think about it and pray about it. And then long story short, I've had peace about it. I kind of had my Gideon story where I asked God, I'm like, if you really want me to do this, I'll be willing to do it. Even though I really did not enjoy the internship, it's, but I did feel at peace that God wanted me to work there. And I tried to pursue other avenues and it just didn't work out. But I had peace about this. And so I did it. I just asked God, I'm like, if you want me to do this, I just ask that you would simply help me to enjoy it. I think that that's very reasonable. I think that God wants everyone to enjoy the labor that he's given. That's straight from Ecclesiastes. And so it was probably probably a couple of years or maybe even a, maybe a year before I, I started to kind of enjoy the work and to kind of answer your question, like, when did I, I guess, see myself as wanting to do, or what was the question again? When did I, it was just, when did you know that you wanted to make pictures or illustrations okay. for other people to see? It was maybe after a year or a couple of years in where I began to kind of start seeing some improvement because um, I was working in Illustrate. I was actually illustrating a good bit in Illustrator because I didn't know Photoshop at all. And I just Photoshop scared me. So I was kind of exploring some styles, kind of vector styles that seemed more doable because I just didn't know what I was doing in Photoshop. I think just exploring some things, I found kind of enjoyment in doing that. And I think that's kind of maybe where it began but Photoshop scared me, illustration scared me. I just didn't really know how to tackle uh, really illustration. It was very different from when I took it as a student. It was a great class when I was a student, but illustration going digital in the whole entertainment business has kind of opened the eyes of, I think, of a lot of people in the industry on different things to consider um, in illustration. So. I do want to put it out there. I had a great teacher. 
and had a great class, really pushed me. But it was probably a couple years in. That's so cool that you, because that seems like a very by faith thing, like to say, all right, Lord, you know, if you just want me to do, I have peace about it. Can you help me enjoy it? And then to not experience that joy for maybe one or two years, you know, that's, that's really um, encouraging to know that you just kind of had to trust that by faith, I guess. So, yeah, I think a lot of times as people kind of move through their life, I think, you know, if you seek God, a lot of times you don't, you know, get that answer. Like, why am I doing this until maybe it could be soon, but it could be years down the road until you see why. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. yeah. That's awesome. Well, I'm curious to get in. It kind of segues into our second question, but I feel like it kind of maybe it's like a setup for that. But okay. what what were some of the things that you figured out that, like you said, you really didn't know how to tackle making pictures? What were some of the things that started to click with you as you as you worked on on that throughout the years? I think the biggest thing that probably helped me was just teaching classes hmm. and trying to utilize whatever I was teaching in the class, I would research and try to figure out a clear process on always how to tackle that subject. So it started off in teaching, I think, drawing one, then drawing two. And I think some of the biggest things that hit me at the beginning was researching gesture drawing. Because I remember when I was a student, it was simply just, uh, just sketching a figure from life uh, within one, one minute to maybe 10 minutes. And it was just observational drawing, but there wasn't really a clear, there wasn't a different purpose to the drawing. I mean, we weren't trying to shade it, but there, but after I did research, I started realizing there were some actual different things that out that you should be looking for in a gesture that would be different than maybe on a project that you had two weeks on with crosshatch. Not that I would try to do crosshatch on a gesture. It's just that I just, you just try to get as much as you can done in 10 minutes or five minutes or two minutes. So I think things like learning how to do gestures and drawing two, we did folds in drawing two. I remember that being kind of a huge help. We did talk about head proportions and hands. I think that kind of got my feet wet a little bit about faces and looking at Andrew Loomis's head proportions. But those were some of the beginning things that, for me and my brother Kobe, we, I think we tend to be researchers and there's probably a lot of people out there that tend to be researchers, but like, I really started to just look and look and look and look and look and make sure when going into class that like, is what I'm um, telling them is what they're gonna get, you know, if, if they went to another school or if they opened up a book, would this be consistent with what other people are teaching or what other people are writing about. So like that class drawing to eventually I taught illustration, but that was probably maybe five years into teaching. I started teaching illustration and um, kind of redoing some of the th rethinking about what some of the projects should be. And then looking at other colleges and like, okay, what projects would they do? What things would they be learning on that project? And so then I started learning some other things that what they're doing in other schools for that. And by teaching those other classes and researching 
in kind of, I guess what we would call benchmarking or comparing other schools and other projects, then I begin to find, oh, wait, I never knew that people thought about that when trying to tackle, let's say, a prop design, or I never knew that you were supposed to think about that on a gesture sketch, or I never knew um, about tension points on folds. And those are things that, you know, after you teach it year after year after year, they kind of become ingrained into you, just kind of like playing a sport. It's just like your coach saying, make sure you follow through with your shot. You know, he says it enough times, if you're listening, it's going to get ingrained in you. So I think teaching for me has given me refreshers, almost like getting many, like many certificates for taking the same class over and over and over and over and over and over again. And I feel like that I have been very blessed for being able to teach those classes. Um, so I'd say for me, those were the biggest game changers. And then going back to my desk in illustration and in trying to apply that. Um, and so it's just kind of like you research, you try to teach it, then you come back and you try to apply it. And just that constant circle of doing that, um, I think as long as you're trying, I think it would, I think most people would continue to grow mm-hmm. with that. So for me, that was the teaching has really helped. Uh, me try to apply it at a Becca illustration. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, that, that makes sense because the, the idea of that repetition um, yeah. with that, that sports analogy was really helpful because like you said, as teachers, we are kind of the only people who get to take a class multiple times. Um, and yeah. that, that's a big benefit. So yeah, yeah. That's, that's a good point. Yeah. Well, that segues perfectly into our second question, which is what would be the first step in your process if you sat down tomorrow to start a brand new illustration from scratch? This might seem familiar with to you after some of the after um, illustration class. Let me get out my my trusty notes that I wrote down so I stay focused and I don't get sidetracked. Um, usually, the first step could be one or two things. Um, probably, the first thing. If, if I'm really thinking about what the actual first thing is, it's probably talking with the client or at my job that would be talking to, with my art director. Actually, it would be talking with everyone that's going to sign off on their work. So it'd be, the first would be my art director. Second would be my editor. And then third one would be my designer. So my art director gives me um, the general look of the art, what we're shooting for in terms of yeah, what the style is. And then my editor would be the person that's in charge of the text. They get to choose. They're in charge of like making sure that the art is consistent with what the story or with what the text is going with it. And then the designer is the person that I work with layout. And so that probably should be number one um, in trying to then kind of getting notes from all of them. And I think this is probably the one thing that I think a lot of people that I see beginning at my job, I think would really help them. I think a lot of people just jump into straight reading their assignment and then jumping into sketching real quick. Um, But I think communicating with your client, however 
your setup is, I think is very important because you're trying to please them. And I think as an artist, you're, you're obviously trying to, it sounds weird, but you're trying to please yourself. You, you want in the end a product that you're going to be happy in a sense, signing your name to, mm-hmm. but you don't want, you want as few as of struggles with your client as possible. And if you communicate with them as early on, and any question marks that you have, if you communicate that with them, you have as few, you have fewer problems throughout the process. And I feel like for me, that has helped me a lot to have as few as corrections and fewer struggles in the long run. And it usually makes my client happy and me happy in the long run, trying to get the process as smooth as possible. So that would be my first step. The other step that other people might say would be, the reading what your assignment is if it's a say a story it would be like reading it underlining and highlighting the important descriptors like what characters look like and and things like that and trying to really pick through that so you don't have to continuously reread and reread and reread like where was what color shirt was that guy wearing and try to like flip through all those pages so Probably communication with your clients is probably the first step for me. But sometimes the first and second step can kind of go back and forth at work. So, yeah. If, there, if you had a student who was maybe learning on their own or in a classroom environment, what would be a way that they could simulate those steps so that they could get into that, that habit, you know, even if they don't have an actual illustration job yet? Mm, that's a good question. The teacher kind of acts like the client so they're kind of like the combination of the art director now before I answer that question directly I think a lot of times the student probably isn't actually thinking what the professional environment is Mm. they're probably and I'm thinking from my experience I'm probably thinking okay this is assignment my head starts spinning I'm like oh man how can I make this project work and then I just kind of go into like stress mode and like okay how can I get a good idea and not and not get it or how can I get a good idea so I can start working on it right away and not get behind with a bad idea that's usually what was my mentality when I was a student kind of stressing out like I don't want to be the last person making headway on this project but to answer your question so for me all of my experience at work is basically either I'm usually dealing with first through sixth grade material. So it's usually like, hey, here's a story, illustrate this text. So for maybe illustration students, they have more freedom than I do at work. Good, just simply good communication. I would say touching base with your client or your teacher every now and then, anytime you're unsure about something, but trying to find the balance of like, you don't want to come across as like extremely needy, but you, you want to know that you're going on a path that is, is sure and it's, it's working. And so like, I don't want to bother my art director at work um, over and over again. So I, you know, if I have a question, um, I usually try to answer as many questions as possible right then and there. So I don't have to go back in five minutes and go back five minutes again. So trying to make sure that finding that balance of being independent and trustworthy, 
but having good communication skills because really it's a relationship. Mm. Relationship spans anything from just friends, student to teacher, marriage, career responsibilities. And I think communication is the beginning point in trying to establish a good understanding of each other. So just, I would say consistent communication and don't assume, don't assume. I see that kind of happen at work, but we all do it. We all assume, but try not to assume, try to get what, try to pick their brains and see exactly what they want. Cause if you can make them happy, then they want to come back and ask for more work for you. So that was kind of a long answer. So I, I'm sorry. No, no, you're fine. I did, uh, I did spring it on you. So, but that, that was very helpful. That is interesting that as like most of us would consider ourselves communicators for a living, you know, we communi- yeah. communicate visually, but it's almost like our greatest strength is our greatest weakness. We don't, you know, we, we don't go and, and uh, have the conversations that we need to have yeah. or things, but um, that's a really good tip. I, I really like that. All right. Final question here for the official round of three that we do. You could say like, I don't, I don't have one of these or, or something, but we just want to ask, we like to ask people, what is one thing you'd like every one of your future illustrations to communicate? That's a good question. As a follower of Christ, I would want all of my stuff to point to Christ, but not everything I do is really an illustration of Bible stories. I mean, today I literally just painted a satellite and it was just a, a spot illustration. So I'm sitting there, I'm like, not, I'll be honest with you as a Christian, like, you know, I, uh, I'm by no means perfect by any means in more often than not, I don't think about Christ as much as I should when I, when I illustrate. And sometimes, you know, you're not always, even if you're in the right mind, you might not always be thinking that if you're painting a satellite or just randomly anything, so if, if, if it's not just trying to point people to Christ in everything that you do, I would say my number one goal is can I get the soul or the heart of the emotion to pull on the viewer? So I think like the best person I can think of is like Norman Rockwell. If you're watching a movie, it's like if I was an actor, like, am I going to win an Oscar award for the acting? I'm trying, and I always try to, with, with characters, um, try to get as much emotion to push through that paper in, to the viewer that the viewer really feels for that character. So if it's like a really happy scene, my goal would be, if I could see through the paper and see the viewer, would that reader be excited and smiling when they look at the picture. On the other hand, if it's a really sad scene, this might sound kind of odd, but if it's really sad, I want to push it so far to where they cry. Mm-hmm. Just like a film, if it's a, if it's a really sad film, and it's, I, I want it to be a tearjerker. I, I want the emotion to, to go as far as the story is appropriate. And so in one of the books that I'm illustrating, the final book in this series of Secret and the Maple Tree, basically all the books are kind of testimonials of how each of these characters come to Christ. Hmm. And the final one is a great salvation testimony of how this kid gets in with the wrong crowd. Um, He smokes, 
Um, he's, I think he steals and his sister's already saved. And he, he just, he doesn't seem interested in that. But throughout this character's story arc, you know, he does all these things that he shouldn't. Um, and at some point his, his heart, he realizes that he needs to get saved. And so whether all those story arcs, I try to push it as far as I can. Um, whether it's him coming to Christ, honestly, I don't, as an illustrator, I don't know if I can illustrate someone coming to Christ that well, because that is like the pinnacle probably of, of someone's heart transforming. So I turned that kid's face away from me and I bowed and I bowed him down and I tried to hide as much as possible to kind of make it a little bit more mysterious but try to show more emotion through the mystery and more of kind of like a mood of colors because that's kind of such an intimate moment with that then other scenes like at one point in one of these books i think one of the characters gets like blazing hot mad because their sibling gets their hair pulled on at school and i wasn't allowed to really show the character's face that was super mad so i turned the face as much as i could and I was kind of exploring, looking at some of my dad's work. And I noticed that sometimes, like a lot of times, it's the hands just as much as the face that can show emotion. And so I used as much as I could the hands in the little bit of face I, that I had to make this figure to be as mad as I possibly could without showing the full brunt force of someone's face being like literally just absolutely furious. So in my mind, I'm thinking like Wolverine from like X-Men, like how mad can I make this character? Like how mad would I be if my little sister's hair got pulled at school and like the, being pro like a protective sibling? And so those are the things that kind of run through my mind in trying to feel for the character. Can you, is there a soul there? Is there a, can you feel the soul? And that goes really beyond composition that goes beyond pretty colors it could it kind of goes beyond all technical stuff and i think norma rockwell is probably the first one that comes to my mind as being the one that i just don't know if like his characters just to me seem like the pinnacle of telling emotions mm -hmm. like can a common person as much as an artist person relate to it you know, people like Norma Rockwell relates to every person I think on the planet can relate to those characters. And so to me, that's the, the fun, the fun part and the part that's my absolute goal. If the design doesn't work out that great, if the composition isn't that great, then at the end of the day, if, if the viewer or the reader can relate and feel the character at the end of the day, then the story comes to life. And that's the most important thing. It's just like, a movie might have a low budget and it might not have the best special effects, but if they care, if the actors do their job, man, you can still really get, I mean, that's, it's, you can still make it really successful. And so that's, that's kind of my absolute goal on every illustration is to really feel the characters. That is a fantastic answer. And that's, that's so helpful. Cause I think as a student, I know for like, for me, I, I used to draw and doodle, you know, kind of a lot. And it was very, just kind of what I wanted to do, very free. Mm -hmm. And then I started 
learning how to draw. And I was like, wow, I am really bad at this, you know? And so then I just started kind of hammering the, the technical aspect of it. And I remember kind of waking up one day and being like, I kind of, I think I've lost the sense of, of that feeling, you know, of that idea of like mm. drawing as a means to, to just communicate kind of what's up here, what I'm feeling, those sort of things. And so it took me a while to kind of get back into that cycle. And it's still a struggle because you still do get on Instagram every day and say, man, yeah. there's, there's a lot of good people out there. You know? I know. But, but I love that idea of letting the emotional kind of inform what needs to happen technically more so than kind of being so tied down to the weight of, of those technical principles. Mm -hmm. It's so helpful. It's, it's a very Howard Pyle, you know, the... The, when, oh, when yeah, like the yeah. the all those guys would go to his school and they would just he would just wouldn't teach him how to draw at all he'd just be like you gotta feel it you gotta feel it yeah. so, but because he assumed they already knew how you know if but, i can add something um yeah. i relate to what you said like if i sat down and sketched a figure without a text or something to kind of push me a direction i don't know if i could really just kind of make something impromptu unless I had a cue to kind of say, do this. And so for me, like just kind of sketching something out of my head and for it to really have emotion, I, I struggle with that. But when it comes to like, hey, here's a story and here's a character, in my mind, I'm just like, okay, how can I be that character? How can I live in that character's shoes? Now I actually have something to work with. So if I'm just sketching with nothing, mm -hmm. man, Mark, I feel like I feel the same way. I'm like, I, what am I doing with this character? Like, I, I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> so I feel I, I feel the same way. Oh, well, that's that's comforting. Um, all right, I have one final bonus question, and it's okay. It's a, I it's just from my own personal curiosity. But you you are and were really big into sports um, yes. at one point in your life, and um, I also really I'm not athletic. You're athletic. I'm not athletic, but um, but I really. Did, sports was a big part of my childhood and it's still something that I enjoy kind of following from afar um, different sports teams so I was curious to know if there's anything you mentioned a little bit a little kernel but is there anything that's kind of left over from when you're when sports was a bigger focus in your life that you have carried into your art hmm I like how we think on the same track <laughs> I, I love whenever I can find another artist who is interested in sports because they're few and far between but i feel like there's a lot in common mm -hmm. and that's a really good question yeah i would say the um the competitiveness um and that can be there's pros and cons to that but for me like in sports like i mean i hate to lose to this day i hate to lose and there's good things with that but there's also bad things with that and it's there's a lot of things i still struggle with when it comes to sports but the competitive nature inside of me and a lot of times it's not competitive with myself and that's the way it should be I think that's a more healthy a lot of times I end up looking at the people around me I'm like okay I gotta be I gotta be at least this good or I can't I've I've got to be better than everyone else and it's not healthy and I've got to this is kind of going down a little bit of a, a rabbit trail uh, there was a book that you recommended to Nate Trishinen called See Yourself as God Sees You. Do you remember that yeah. book? Yeah, he actually recommended that book to me. It was a, but oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, 
Well, Nate recommended it to me. I haven't finished the book, but I've read a few chapters and I'm not much of a reader. So that's already saying a lot. That I read a few chapters. <laughs> and that has really helped my mind to try to not look and compare with other people because my personality, that's, that's very natural. And that comes from the sports. Like I want to be the best person on the team. I want to be the best person on the court. I don't want to lose. That book says, seeing that book called See Yourself as God Sees You, it's important to, to recognize that, you know, God values you not on whether you win or lose, whether before you pick up a basketball or you don't pick up a basketball, your value to God is, is the same. And so trying to compare yourself with other people is not, well, it can push you. It's, it's not it's not the healthiest because I, I need to remind myself on a daily basis that no matter what I produce, as long as I go to work and my, my mindset is just to serve God and just do my best. And I do the, and I have the worst day at drawing to God. It's still like what I created is just as valuable as, you know, any other day. Mm-hmm. And so now it's not easy to think that way, but my sports mentality of being very competitive with people around me uh, is something that has definitely, it's like deep ingrained, whether it's board games, sports, um, and art. And I think, um, yeah, the other day I lost a board game and it came out of me again. I'm like, ah, man, Jameson, it's just a game. (laughs) So that for me, it's the competitive nature. Like I, I, I struggle losing. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know about you. I don't know, but for me, it's, do, that's, yeah. that's tough. Yeah, no, I have board game stories as well um, that, that, that could be told. But um, definitely, I, I have this thing that I say, and I, I don't know if it's true or not, but I have this theory that like artists are simply competitive people who weren't good at sports. And so they, <laughs> so they found another outlet that they could be the best at, you know. Uh-huh. Um, and so, because uh, I know that was definitely part of the reason for me was, you know, I couldn't do a lick of anything on the basketball court, but I could, when, when the yearly competition rolled around for art, you know, I was like, this is, <laughs> this is my moment, you know, right. so, but, but, um, but I, I do think it has helped. And I, I am really curious to see something, that idea of competing with yourself is something that has been coming up kind of in, in my life too. And I'm curious to see kind of what the Lord does with that, that idea of just, you know, you're competing against who you were yesterday. And can you do, can you do one small thing? Can you implement one small habit or, you know, tackle one small problem in a, in a piece that beat you yesterday, you know, that, that won in a way and that you were mm-hmm. like, oh man, I'm not going to let that, you know, win again. So, mm-hmm. um, but also, like you say, giving yourself the grace to be like, hey, I'm just going to come in and do my best. So I don't yet fully know what the purpose, uh, like I know that, God, I, I assume that competitiveness is not a result of the fall. Maybe it is. I, I don't, I know, don't if, know, you know, so I, I don't yet understand like why God put in us a competitive nature, you know, um, and what his purpose is for that in terms of his glory. I'm sure someone has written a book on that or something, but uh, well, we, we need to find it. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> so, but 
Well, thank you so much. This has just been absolutely fantastic. I really appreciate everything that you, you know, shared and the time you've taken. Would you mind real quick just letting people know kind of where they can follow you or find you online um, if they're interested in seeing more of your stuff? I don't post regularly, so that's, but I do have an, inst- an art Instagram account. I don't know off the top of my head if it's just Jameson Jekyll. I think it's just Jameson Jekyll on Instagram. If you type in my name, I don't think there's really another Jameson yeah. Jekyll out there. Mm-hmm. So I think if you type that, type that into Instagram, I do have an art account on there where they can find me. I wish I could post more of my work at Ibeka, mm-hmm. but <laughs> nervous of the ramifications of that because I would like to like, you know, display some of the work that I do, but most of the stuff I see, or most of the stuff I do gets seen by first graders to sixth graders and that's about it <laughs> but um, I share a little bit of stuff kind of more anatomy stuff on my Instagram at Jameson Jekyll yeah that stuff is really helpful um, and you you have a you have a Pinterest too that is pretty cur- curated I know it's not your stuff I mean some of you have some of your stuff on there but, oh yeah I do um, yeah but I've I visit that pretty frequently I think it's the same thing it's it's a yeah your name um, and that has some really great resources on it. And you oh, kind of have it, you have it very well labeled. Good. I'm glad you, you found it helpful. I, I've used that heavily at a bucket in teaching to, I don't know how to communicate very well on Pinterest. I think that you can, but I just use it as a resource. Oh yeah. No, I wasn't saying like, it's, it's just something, a lot of the people who listen to our content are students, you know? So, um, sometimes Pinterest can be just like a, it's, there's so much on there that if they're looking for a specific, like I need anatomy stuff, kind of going to yeah. your page and then clicking on what you have can kind of help because then you start to see artists names that repeat oh, yeah. and things like that, that can be helpful. So, yeah, I work really hard on the Pinterest one. Like I've put in tons of hours and as a result, it has really helped myself out and for me to point other students in the right direction. So if someone else finds it and they find it helpful, Oh, that that's awesome because uh sometimes it, for us as artists it takes us a long time to kind of figure out who to look for for certain things and so if it can be a help to someone else that'd be great once again thank you so so much to jameson jekyll for joining us for this episode i would really encourage you guys to follow him on instagram at his name jameson jekyll and if you're an artist i really encourage you to check out his pinterest boards and his page at Jameson 1674. That's a great resource for any aspiring artist or illustrator. As always, you can subscribe to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or YouTube for more episodes like this one. Please leave us a comment or a review with your favorite part of the show, and that helps the algorithm know that you enjoyed us, and it helps get it in front of other people so they can enjoy it also. And feel free to send send this episode to a friend who you think could be encouraged by hearing what Jameson had to share with us today. You can connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, Destination Arete, A-R-E-T-E, for information about future episodes like this one, as well as information about community activities and upcoming Arete projects. So social media really right now is the great first option for you guys to um, stay in touch with us. It's a great kind of front line where we put everything up there for you guys to see. But if you want to go behind the front lines, if you want to enter into the depths of HQ, right? That would be through our newsletter. So if you want to be the first to hear about upcoming interviews, sneak peeks about future content and exciting announcements, go to 
destinationarate.com slash contact, or send an email to destinationarate at gmail.com to subscribe to our newsletter. Our newsletter is where it is at, people. It is awesome. David does a great job putting that together for us. And so that is, I, I just think it's an incredible resource and I've benefited from it. So we'll be back in two weeks with another interview. See you then. Thank you.